Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. Two from last week when we talked about the Syrophoenician woman uh, who, who Jesus uh, healed her daughter. And the teaching that was going on uh, in that chapter and leading into this one, something that we, we said last week and we've been saying for a while, you know, as we go through the book of Mark especially, but really all the Gospels, uh, we're learning who Jesus really is. We're, we're being uh, taught by the Holy Spirit that this is God in the flesh. And that's really where we're going this morning and where we're going to, to end up in, in this, the, the climax really, uh, of the book of Mark. From here then, he, he, he heads in another direction. But we've been establishing the identity of Jesus as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And, and this morning, we're going to uh, look into that a little bit more. You know, as you read the Gospels, you'll realize the original disciples of Christ, those, uh, those who were with him physically right there in his presence, they didn't always get it, did they? And, and by it, I mean who Jesus is, who he really is. It's kind of incredible. Uh, just notice the verse above uh, our text this morning. In verse 21, it says, don't you understand yet? He asked them. Here's Jesus. Says, really? You don't get this yet? You haven't seen what's happening? Do, do you not realize what's being revealed to you? And, and I think it, we would do well to, to recognize right at the beginning, we don't always get it, do we? <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like they're so different from us. We don't always get things either. And maybe we need to take another look. Uh, maybe if you're here this morning and someone encouraged you to come or pressured you or drug you. Um, if you're here, I hope that you'll take another look at Jesus this morning and that you'll really give him a chance because this is a little bit different. The, the miracle that we're going to read about today, that we're going to study, is very different from really all the other miracles that we read about him doing. And so we're going to try to understand and try to come to an understanding of him for who he truly is. We cannot understand ourselves until we understand Jesus, until we know who Jesus is, okay? Until we recognize his identity, we're going to struggle with our identity. His identity is the foundation on which life is built. And our lives will only be better. Our lives will only bring glory to God when we recognize that his identity, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, that his identity is the foundation on which now we build our identities. And so let's get to the heart of Jesus' relationship with his disciples then and with us as his disciples. And this isn't just a miracle, it's actually a parable. Jesus is going to use this as a parable. Just like uh, last week we talked about that parable that he told the Syrophoenician woman. 
that mother who was looking for a cure for her daughter, looking for help, and she was the first person really that we find in the Gospels who actually understands a parable in the moment and is able to respond to it uh, as if she's a part of it, because she was. Jesus made her a part. And so he wants us to, to walk into this parable with him of what he's going to accomplish in this man's life and what he wants to accomplish in ours. It's really about the root of our sin problem, which is selfish pride. So as we read this passage, think about your own struggle with selfishness. Consider uh, the own, your, your own self-centeredness that has sometimes overtaken you and, and kept you from seeing Jesus for who he truly is. Let's remember that Jesus overcomes our self-centeredness, that he overcomes our selfish pride, that he does it because and in his identity. Because of and in his identity. There in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22, read with me. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, we've been headed to Bethsaida for several weeks, haven't we? They're finally arriving. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. And then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored. He could see everything. Now he could see it clearly. And Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. And Jesus and disciples left Galilee then. And they went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say you're one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. This, uh, this short passage, I think it carries a lot of weight. And I hope that together we can, we can go into this and, and see ourselves for who we truly are. First, through this miracle that is also a parable, we're going to see that everyone is spiritually blind. Uh, truly, Jesus has already proven this point uh, because he, he has already shown how that those cleanliness laws are becoming obsolete. How that he could go into the Gentile world and, and minister to them, heal them just as well as he could heal uh, those in the Jewish world. He, he has already shown how these walls are coming down, that he's the savior of the world, not just of one nation. And he's proven that everyone is spiritually blind. Both those who, who are believers, both, but those who have been following uh, the, the gospel, the truth for a long time, and, and those who have never even heard it. Everyone is spiritually blind. It's not just the original disciples. It's everybody. And this truth, you see, it applies not only to Jesus' critics uh, or, or to the skeptics. It also applies to his followers. And isn't that one of the things that, that should make us different? The fact that we know, we realize that we are just as spiritually blind as, as anyone else out there who, who don't know Jesus. We realize this. 
the strength to overcome our spiritual blindness, it doesn't come from us. It's not ourselves who can heal ourselves. It's only Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Holy Spirit through Paul, he says, our knowledge, it's partial, it's incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will be useless. When I was a child, he says, I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away those childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like this blind man, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Oh, how I'd love some clarity, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love some clarity with some of the questions that you're struggling with this week? Wouldn't you love some clarity to be able to see yourself for who you truly are? To, to know and to have a confidence in the decisions that you make, in the directions that you choose, in the person who you are becoming? Boy, to have that clarity, it would, it would be so powerful, wouldn't it? <clears throat> so Jesus is reminding us we're all spiritually blind. We're all in desperate need of the one who can correct our vision. And it's him. It's only Jesus. It's because we struggle with sin. You see, it's, it's not just that we don't get it. We don't, we don't just not get who Jesus is. We're kind of jerks about it. We don't always do the right thing. We don't even think the right thing. And in fact, then, when we don't think the right thing, we kind of get angry at other people and even at Jesus because we don't see clearly, because we don't get things right. In Galatians 5 and verse 14, it says, the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Boy, we sure complicate things, don't we? He says it's this simple, love each other. Love each other. And Mark 12, 30 and 31, it says, Two things, love God and love people. These are, these are the essence of everything that's been taught. Love each other. Let's quit complicating things and let's remember that we are here to love one another. This is what our calling is. This is who we are supposed to be. Notice in verse 15 though. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. He says love each other and quit hurting each other. Quit being rude to each other. Quit devouring one another. How is it that, that we can come in here and that we can be reminded uh, through this beautiful music, through the, the prayers of, of brothers, uh, through the, the, the teachings of the scriptures, how can we be reminded week after week after week of the glory of God, of his majesty, and of his deep love for us, and then somehow walk through those doors and blow our horn at somebody? Or walk through those doors and get frustrated when the waitress isn't as fast as we think she ought to be. Or walk through those doors and, and treat our family as if they're not precious. So precious. Not only to us, but to God. How is it that we forget spiritual blindness? It's spiritual blindness. It's so powerful and it keeps coming back. And it's something that we are going to struggle with while we're in the flesh. The whole time we're in the We're going to continue this battle uh, against this spiritual blindness that is in us. And Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And remember in Isaiah 59, he really makes it clear there in verses 1 and 2. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear deaf to your call. But it's your sins that have cut you off from God. It's your sins. And because of your sins, he's turned away and will not 
Listen, our sins, this is the problem, our sin, our sin that continually creeps back up and blocks our vision, blocks our way to becoming more like Jesus. So this blind man, he's being used by Jesus to show us something really about ourselves, isn't he? About ourselves. And here it is. You and I need another touch. You and I, we need another touch. One touch from Jesus isn't enough to clear up our blindness, our spiritual blindness that we all struggle with. In 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 18, it says, the message of the cross, it's foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved, it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. And yet we keep running back to it, don't we? We, we see faith and we recognize how powerful it is and somehow we turn away from it over and over again and try to, try to handle life on our own terms, try, try to build our own foundation, our self-sufficiency and say, you know what, I got this. Is it any wonder that Jesus always points to children and say, you gotta be like a child because they know how to depend. <laughs> they know how to look to a parent or, or to a, an older person and depend on them. They're not so independent as to think that they can do everything themselves. And yet, here we are, struggling with our self-centeredness, struggling with our, our selfish ambition. We think we can do it. We think we can handle it. And then we go out there in the world, and we get knocked down time and time again and come limping back to the Lord. Why don't you just take the Lord with you? Because he wants to go. He wants to be with you. He, he wants to serve through you. He wants to use your words your hands, your kindness, your mercy, your empathy. He wants to give all of his to you so that now you change this world into the place that it should have been in the very beginning. One touch from Jesus just isn't enough. The breadth and the depth of our spiritual blindness is so powerful and it has us in its grasp and we've got to turn away from it and turn back to Jesus. He told in, in Matthew 15, 14, he said, they're blind guides leading the blind. If one blind person guides another, they're both going to fall in the ditch. Don't walk around blind anymore. Open your eyes to Jesus and let Jesus open your eyes so that you can see. Isn't this why we come back weekly, even daily, and study and pray and turn our lives back over to him? We eat every day, right? We, we sustain our bodies physically. We, we're looking forward to a lunch. We're looking forward to a dinner. Shoot, at, at my house, uh, you know, we don't get done with one before we're starting to think about the next one. Hey, what are we going to eat tonight? Uh, I don't know. We better start thinking about it, though, because I know I'm going to be hungry again, right? <laughs> our spiritual blindness is like that hunger. It's like that because it's strong, and it, it needs another look. We take our cars to get realigned because they, they start getting off kilter, right? What about our lives? What about spiritually? We need to be realigned into the way of Jesus Christ every day. We need to come back to Jesus and be straightened out. How many times do you pass a mirror and take a look at yourself? Didn't you just see yourself this morning? Why you got to look at yourself again? Yet there's mirrors all over the place, right? Checking it out, right? Making sure everything's where it's supposed to be. <clears throat> What about spiritually? Are you checking and making sure everything's where it's supposed to be? Because Jesus is supposed to be on the throne. And you and I, we're the ones on the cross. He took our place. 
He exchanged places with you and with me to give us hope, to give us a future, to give us this life. And now we get to serve him and serve each other. Let's be honest and let's be vulnerable. Here's this blind man and Jesus touches his eyes. He says, can you see? And he says, "Ah, I I, I can't really see like I think I should be able to see, Lord. (laughs) I mean, how scary would that be to look at the Son of God and say, yeah, it didn't work, dude. (laughs) But he said it. This is spiritual fortitude. This man looks at the Savior of the world, the creator of everything, and he says, I need another touch. It didn't quite work. I don't, he had a holy dissatisfaction with the miracle he'd received. And he looked at Jesus and he says, I need more. Do you remember that mother last week? She said, yeah, I I know I'm a dog. I know I'm sinful. I know I don't have any right to come to the table. I know that that the dogs just eat the crumbs off the floor. But here I am, Lord, and I know you've got bread and enough to spare. And I'm asking you, meet my needs. She approached him with this humble aggression. And you and I, we we must develop a holy dissatisfaction, a, a humble aggression to chase after the blessing, to chase after God. Like we read about Jacob doing in the Old Testament. He says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Pray that prayer. Spend that time with Jesus and and ask him for those things that you need. Be honest and be vulnerable and say, Jesus, I know that that you just touched me. I know that you you were just helping. Yet I, I need it again. I need another touch. I need more encouragement. I need, I need more faith. We need more Jesus. And if this is true, we mustn't get frustrated. We mustn't be impatient. And we shouldn't be condescending to others who haven't had as many touches as us. We can't look down our nose at anybody because the fact is, I need another touch too. I need to know Jesus better myself. I need to grow closer to him. And so anytime I, I look down my nose at someone, I, I think less of someone because they're not as spiritual or, or, or they're not growing as fast as I think that they should. I better step back. That's not my place. God takes care of that. I'm here to serve. I'm here to follow. I'm here to, to help even those who are struggling in their growth to become more and more like Jesus. You know, the, the fact is, the only way to know that your spiritual sight is growing stronger is to realize how much you don't know. It's to say, you know what? I don't know everything. My sight, is, it's still unclear. It's clearing, but it's still not what it ought to be. I haven't arrived I don't make all the decisions that Jesus would make. Sometimes I, I still rely on myself. Sometimes I still fall back into selfish pride. I need Jesus. So do you. And so does everybody else that we're going to come in contact with this week. All those other students who we're going to be reacquainted with this week. All those people at work and all those people who we may, that God may put in our path this week. That we would be patient with them and that we would guide them and that we would encourage them and help them because we need to know. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. This is watch yourself. Make sure you remember who you are and whose you are. In Hosea 4 and verse 6, he tells us that his people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge 
You know, knowledge, it's important because love demands a choice. You gotta choose him. If it's not a choice, then it's not love. That person who encouraged you to be here today, that person who, who made sure everything was as easy as it could be for you to be here to hear the word of God today, it was because of love, okay? It was because they love you and they want what's best for you and they recognize that what's best for them is Jesus and they believe what's best for you is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And it's not just because he's some guy who lived back then. Remember he said, who do people say I am, right? They said, oh, Elijah, all these different prophets. Who, who, we, we don't really know. <laughs> and Peter said, no, you're, you're the Messiah, you're the one. That person who invited you today, they're telling you he's the Messiah, He's the one who can save you. He's the one who can save us all. He's the one who can wash away our spiritual blindness and who can deliver us to where we ought to be. In Acts 17 and verse 30, the Holy Spirit says that God overlooked people's ignorance but in, uh, during these e earlier times, but now he commands everyone to repent of their sins and turn to him. It requires a choice. God doesn't want robots. God didn't it doesn't force us. He says, I want you to choose to love me back. He first loved you by giving Jesus, by sending Jesus to save us from our sins. And now he wants you to choose. Choose Jesus because spiritual sight is a gift from Jesus. And without Jesus, there is no spiritual sight. Just look at our world. It doesn't take long listening to the news to see the spiritual darkness that we live in, that this world is plunging itself into. You don't have to. You don't have to be a part of that. You can have spiritual light of the love of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, Steve was just preaching about this, and we're going through a series on it. There in verse 3, 2 Peter 1, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to what? know him, to identify Jesus. You, you have these things because of who Jesus is, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and his excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you now to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires, selfish desires, spiritual blindness. In view of all this, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Some versions say goodness, right? Moral excellence. And, and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, verse 8, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way, they're short-sighted. They're even, they're blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Ask Jesus to give you spiritual sight. Ask Jesus for another touch. Because none of us see clearly. None of us see as well as we would like. If you have a holy dissatisfaction, if you recognize you desperately still need Jesus, won't you ask him for help? Won't you respond to the help that he's offering to you? Secondly, this morning, we need to, we need to ask, what are we blind to? What are we blind to? The, the fact is, everybody's spiritually blind, but what is it that we can't see? What is it that, that's, that's hidden from us? 
You know, there's many layers to spiritual blindness. We've all blown it. We've all realized our limitation. I, I want to tell you about uh, the, the, the seatbelt. Now, anybody in my family will tell you, I hate wearing seatbelts, okay? It's a fact. I'll confess it right up front. I don't like seatbelts. I grew up in a time when nobody, were, we didn't, you know, we left our keys in the ignition in our cars, you know? We didn't have locks on our doors where I grew up. We didn't wear seatbelts. In fact, the first vehicle I owned didn't have any seatbelts in it. I'm just not used to it. It's not something that I want to do. And yet, every time we get in the car, Leanne's car especially, because I turned it off in mine, but she has this little chime that says, Trey didn't put a seatbelt on. And everybody in the car, including the kids now, because they've taken their mother's attitude towards seatbelts, safety or something. Um, everybody in the car, they look at me. And it's just ding, 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 ding. And I give them a snarl and I buckle my seatbelt, Okay. Because I don't want to do it. It wasn't very long ago after I'd visited a friend in the hospital who'd been in a car accident. Leanne got in my truck, the one that doesn't have the chime, you know, to remind me to put my seatbelt on because I turned it off. <clears throat> and she heard it. And she looked. She said, what was that? I said, I put my seatbelt on. You didn't hear it? She said, yeah, I heard it. I was wondering what it was. Why did you put your seatbelt on? I said, well, I remember or remember our friend who was in the hospital and I'd gone to see him. He had 21 stitches across his forehead. He said, really? I said, yeah. She said, so he wasn't wearing his seatbelt? I said, exactly. And she said, okay, so wait a second. So now you're going to wear your seatbelt because you saw what it will do to you if you don't wear your seatbelt and you're in an accident? I said, that's correct. And she said, you didn't know? <laughs> I knew, but I didn't know. I was blind to it until I saw the effects of it. Do you see? Guys, we live in a world of, of people like me who just don't get it. And until they see the effects of your life in Christ, until they see the difference that he has made in your life, until they see the goodness, the mercy, the love, uh, until they see the fruit of the Spirit, the joy, the, thank, the thanksgiving, they're just going to go on throughout their life. They're not going to know what they could have had if they had only known Jesus. Do you realize that it's only the truth that sets us free? It's only the truth that sets us free from ourselves. It's only the truth that sets us free from our self-centeredness. We've got to come to Jesus for the truth and then listen carefully and then actually put it to practice in our life because ultimate reality is all about Jesus' true identity. He's God in the flesh. There in Mark 8 and verse 27, did you notice that? Jesus and his disciples left Galilee. They went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked, who do people say I am? He says, all this time that we've spent together, all the things that I've done, all the miracles you've seen, all the parables you've heard, what are they saying to you? Are they telling you who I am? Verse 28. John the Baptist, maybe, Elijah, maybe one of the other prophets. You're obviously somebody great. <laughs> people think you're all these different people. But there's a big difference, you know, between Jesus and all those other people. You, all those others, they pointed to Jesus. They pointed people to God. All the spiritual leaders, all the great leaders that you can even think of, uh, maybe that have been leaders in your life, 
They're just pointing to him. They're pointing to Jesus. He's the real deal. He's the one to whom all of those great people are pointing to. He's not one of the greats. He is the great. He's the great I am. The difference between Jesus and all those other spiritual leaders is that his identity is the relief we need to overcome our spiritual blindness. It's him. It's in him. It's understanding that he is the one. If you'll just recognize him, you'll truly begin to recognize yourself, to realize who you are in light of what he's done for you. He's given it all for you. He's given, he's given everything for you to bring you to himself. Verse 29, Peter finally says it. You're the Messiah. You're the one. You're the son of God. Yet Jesus is God. He's Emmanuel. He's prince of peace, counselor. He's Lord and he's Savior. And the fact is, you're not. I'm not, okay? He is. And it's all about him. And it's all about coming to him to receive another touch so that I can make it through another day, so I can make it through another hour, another minute, so I can continue to turn and look at him and to remember what's been done for me that I might live this life and get rid of the self-centeredness that keeps creeping up, the spiritual blindness that trips me up. We're desperately afraid to admit that we're not competent to run our own lives, aren't we? Desperately afraid. Puff our chest up, you know. I got this. I can do this. Can you? Jesus can. Jesus can overcome it if you will recognize what he's done. If you'll see what he gave up in order to give to you what he had. I want to encourage you to surrender this morning, to stop denying your spiritual blindness, your sinfulness, to open your eyes to Jesus. In Isaiah 64 and verse 6, another great Old, Old Testament passage, he says, we're, in, we're all infected with and impure with sin. And then he says this, when we display our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags. This is our good deed. Even, we need to even repent of the good things that we come up with because so often it's tainted with selfishness because so often it's really just pointing back at that, that need that we have to be recognized, to, to be honored, to be noticed. We're so filled with it. It's a, it's a spiritual blindness that's going to continue to creep up in our lives. Push back, Christian. Push back on it and look to Jesus. He can deliver you from that. That struggle that you've faced, the struggle that you've continued to fall into. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful flesh, the results, they're very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and the desires of their sinful nation, nature to his cross. They crucified him there. You're on the cross. He's on the throne. Now let him lead. 
Now fall in line in your natural position, the one of a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Christ. He is the only certain foundation. Knowing him for who he truly is is the only foundation that will truly bring life to you. What are we blind to? We're blind to everything good without Jesus. Last this morning, how can we be healed of spiritual blindness? How can we be healed of this? We saw what Jesus did. He, he, he spit on his eyes, you know. He, he touched him. And the guy said, I, I still can't see, Jesus. And so Jesus touches him again. And then he sees. Then he gets it. Then he, then he can see the people clearly. They don't look like trees walking around. They're people again. And he sees. He sees clearly. What an amazing moment for that man. Have you seen the, uh, have you seen the videos where the, the, those who are colorblind receive those glasses? And they see color for the first time, and you see them just kind of break down. You see them just break down into tears, and, and it's beautiful. And they see their, their children's faces in a different way than they've ever seen them before. They, they, they see flowers that they've been tending to for all their life in, in a totally different way. They see the sky and the trees and all creation that God gave to them, and they see it in a new way. Do you see life in a new way? When you come to Christ, he says you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Open your eyes and look at what Jesus is trying to show you. How can you be healed? There's three ways. First, we're healed in stages. We're healed in stages. You notice there in verse 24, the man looked around. I see people, but I can't see them clearly. They look like trees walking around. This man says, no, sir, I want to see better than this. He had this holy dissatisfaction. And we should have a holy dissatisfaction with our spiritual sight too. Be honest with Jesus. Continue coming back for another touch. Keep coming back. Keep reminding. Keep, keep praying. Keep asking. And he will keep giving. Come to Jesus and, and ask him for spiritual sight. In 2 Corinthians 3, in verse 17, it says, The Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that Veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. There's a sanctification. There's a process of sanctification, isn't there? There's a growth that we must endure, that we must go through to become more like Jesus you know, Peter's a great example of it. And I think too often we get hung up on the, the, the model uh, that we see in the Apostle Paul, right? We think of him on that Damascus road. Jesus comes to him, bam, he's, he's blinded. And then he goes down and he preaches the, the gospel's preached to him. And man, he's preaching the gospel the next day, right? Overnight, this crazy change that happens in this man who was persecuting the church. And, and now he's a full-fledged member of the church making a difference. And we see this example of Paul, and we forget there's another example, okay? Sure, there may be some Pauls among us, but most of, most of us, we probably relate better to Peter. When did Peter get saved? Do you remember? Can you, can you put your finger on a book, chapter, and verse and say, hey, this is the moment when everything changed for Peter? You'd have to look for a while. He went through a long process. It reminds me of myself. We're overly controlled by the Pauline model of conversion. And we need to really take a look at the Petron model. 
We watch Peter being converted through the book of Mark, all the other gospels also, but for sure in Mark. And by the end of the gospel, Peter has grown. He's grown more and more. He gets to preach the, the sermon in Acts chapter 2, right? But we read of him backsliding. We read about him trying to discourage Jesus from his own mission. We read about him denying Jesus. We read about him being controlled by fear, even committing the sin of racism all the way in Galatians chapter 2. He's still struggling to, to get another touch. He's still struggling with this dissatisfaction in his own life. Christian, your walk is probably a lot more like Peter's than Paul's. Quit holding yourself to the standard of Paul. And remember that Jesus saves. Jesus saves and sometimes, most times, he saves through a long period of growth. Now absolutely, there's a moment when our, our lives are changed, when we, we come into Christ we commit ourselves to him. We're, we're baptized into Christ. That, that, that wedding ceremony, if you will. That, that, now we're with Christ. There's a whole lot of change that has to occur after that, isn't there? It's just the beginning. Stepping into the waters of baptism is just the beginning. And then we are sanctified. Then we grow. We're healed of our spiritual blindness in stages. So we should always be dissatisfied with our level of spiritual sight and continue to grow into what he wants us to be. Secondly, we're healed in community. Did you notice there in verse 22 that there was a group of people who brought this blind man to Jesus? Do you think this blind man would have found Jesus if no one led him to him? Do you think this blind man somehow would have stumbled upon Jesus eventually? No, there were people, and not only did they bring him to Jesus, they begged Jesus, heal him, touch him, give him sight. It was healed in community. We need one another. I know Jesus better because I've been impacted by the, the lives of other disciples. I've seen him through their eyes. I've, I've grown so much. And let me tell you, it is a great blessing to, to be here at Beltline and to be a, a part of, of the ministry staff and to get to sit and listen to these guys and, and our ladies talk about Jesus and to, to be impacted by them. It's like looking at, it, at an exquisite diamond and all the different cuts and all the different ways that, it, that it's formed to be beautiful and outstanding and exquisite. It's multifaceted. And it's exactly what the scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It's multifaceted. And you see Jesus better when you're in community with others who are looking at Jesus, with others who are, who are pointing you towards Jesus, to be impacted by their faith and, and to grow because of what they've seen. He tells us in 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, it's most important to continue to show deep love for each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who are in need. Share a meal or, or give them a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You're healed of your spiritual darkness, your spiritual blindness in community. Last, you're healed in confidence. You're healed of your spiritual blindness in confidence. Did you notice there in verse 30? He said, don't go tell anybody. Hold up, hold up. Don't get too excited about this. I want you to keep it quiet just a little bit longer. We need to keep this under wrap for a little bit longer. Why does Jesus say this? 
Why do you tell the blind man, don't go back to the city, go, go another way home, right? And he tells his disciples, don't tell anybody. Why is he doing this? He's, he's controlling the situation. He knows what's coming. What he teaches is, is in direct opposition to the spiritual leaders of the time. It's in direct opposition to the, the government that is over them at this time. He knows that he's headed to the cross. And he's got, a, he's got a few more things he wants to accomplish before he gets there. And he says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Why? Because he's thinking about the next person that he's going to heal. The next person who's going to be a parable for you and for me. The next person who he's going to use to guide us closer to him. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Especially verse 2. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, the spiritual blindness that keeps us from seeing the truth. He says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now listen to verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects Sounds like sanctification. Who perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Did you hear that? He went through the cross. He went through all of that because of the joy set before him. Well, what could that be? It's you. It's you with him in heaven. A place that you should never be. I should never be. That I could never access on my own. I could never climb to. But because of Jesus, I have a place at the table. Because of Jesus, I can be there and you can be there. And we can enjoy the presence of God for all eternity because of what Jesus accomplished. This is the joy set before him. And this is why he says, just, just wait a little bit longer. Don't tell anybody what just happened. I got more to do before I enjoy all that I have accomplished. We're so afraid of being vulnerable with each other and with others. We're even afraid of being vulnerable with God. But Jesus, he came to be vulnerable for us. I want to encourage you to cast away your worry, cast away your fear. Jesus has delivered you from darkness. Do you remember on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting Psalm 22. And he's, and he's making clear to us, listen, he was plunged into spiritual darkness so that you could have spiritual light. And that's something to be excited about. That's something to tell everybody about. That's something that should never be kept under wraps. And you know what? Jesus isn't saying, don't tell anybody anymore. <laughs> he's saying, go shout it from the rooftops. Go tell everybody at school. Go tell everybody at work. Tell everybody in the neighborhood, Jesus is Lord. He will bring you spiritual sight like you've never seen before. Identifying Jesus identifies his disciples. Jesus cured our spiritual blindness by taking it for us. And to end our spiritual blindness, he had to be plunged into utter darkness. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Have a great week. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week.